In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. Oh, come on. Stake through the heart, a little sunlight. It's like falling off a log. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. Don't make fun. I work long and hard to get this promise. And Jay Newcastle. Just because this is never going to work, there's no need to be negative. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to the Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jake. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 12, Bad Eggs, written by Marty Noxon. Buffy and her mom are shopping at the Sunnydale Mall when Buffy interrupts a vampire trying to attack an innocent girl in the arcade, instead of picking up her mom's dress as she was supposed to. Joyce then finds Buffy dressed to go out at bedtime and grounds her for it. Xander and Cordelia continue their argue-and-kiss ways, which spill over into the classroom during a talk about teenagers having sex. The students are paired up with one another, except Buffy, who misses class and becomes a single parent, and given eggs to learn about parenting and responsibility. But something isn't right with these eggs, as they creep out of their shells at night and attach to their host to drain the energy from them. As Buffy and Angel, quote, patrol... Lyle, the vampire that Buffy attacked in the arcade, and his brother Tector Gorch watch in disgust as Buffy and Angel make out. Buffy comes home to find that her egg has hatched and ends up stabbing the creature that has come out of it with her scissors. Xander has hard-boiled his egg, and just as he is about to eat it for breakfast, he sees that this is no ordinary egg at all. As the gang attempts to figure out what the creature in the egg actually is, Cordelia and Willow attack Xander and Buffy and lock them in a closet with two other eggs. Buffy and Xander wake up in time to avoid being possessed by the eggs and go to find where the possessed students are being led. Just as Buffy reaches the Mother Bazaar, she is attacked by the Gorch brothers. But once they enter the Bazaar's lair, they end up fighting together. Tector is eaten by the giant Mother Bazaar. Buffy goes in and kills it, and Lyle runs off as the infected people finally come to. They are told it is just a gas leak and that things are under control. Buffy is grounded by Joyce for not being in the library when she came home, and that is how this episode ends. <laughs> and that is our plot summary for Bad Eggs. Jay? I'll I'll say Bad Eggs. Wow. Uh, something got overboiled here for sure. This is, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting plot there, Brian. Uh, you know, I, having watched this one, uh, before we watched it for this retrospective, I could barely remember much about this episode. I knew that the eggs were housing some creature, and I thought it, it there was some uh, parallel where everybody got hypnotized by them or something like that, but I didn't know what... I didn't remember much of the details of this. And then having watched it again and now having heard you read through that summary, I, I'm amazed at how ridiculous this story sounds, but 
yet it comes off really, really competent and really smart. It's actually a fun episode. Yeah, it is a fun episode, and you are right. It's a, an interesting plot summary, to say the least. Again, we get off the whole big bad for the season track by going a different route here, but uh, you inter- get introduced to uh, two characters who I think are, are fascinating, one of them who sticks around for a little while longer. It, it is, Brian. It's, it's an interesting theme, and uh, the whole thing here is about adults trying to teach teenagers, not realizing that, uh, you know, trying to teach responsibility to teenagers, not realizing that the teenagers may be more responsible than they're given credit for. Isn't that every teenager's, I guess, dream, too, is that you know, I'm much more responsible than my parents think I am. If they just give me the freedom, I could show them, and and yet they never do. And, and no matter what Buffy does in this episode, she does a lot of very responsible things, but she still gets in trouble with her mother. This is definitely about how the adults are trying to teach responsibility to children. You get that with the sex ed class. You get that with the, you know, grounding of Buffy by Joyce and and all these other things. And also even with Giles a little bit later. But, um, yeah, you know, teenagers always believe that they're more responsible than their parents give them credit for. But in most cases, they're not. In our case here, they are, but they can't really lead on that they are, I guess you could say. Yeah, Buffy can't let her in. Yeah, Buffy's still doing this thing of trying to lead the double life. She's trying to be the slayer and trying to hide that from mom, but also trying to be the good teenage daughter. And that all is it's sort of crashing together at this point. You mentioned the Gorch brothers in the summary. Let's talk about them because of the new characters here. One of them is going to hang around a little while. I, they were an interesting choice for you know new vampires for Buffy to fight this week. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought they were um, neat characters, and I liked the backstory with them. They were basically two murdering brothers before they even became vampires. They took out like a whole village or something. I can't remember what it was. But I think they took out a whole village before they even turned into vampires. So uh, quite an interesting pair of brothers there. One of them comes off as really kind of stupid, and that's Tector. He's just kind of like all he wants to do is, is fight and, and, and get in a, you know, bad situations and the other one is more a little more cautious and you know take take your time let's do it but again they also like to to beat each other up they're all about causing chaos fighting uh murdering and all that and and even with each other they like to just go at it these guys played like extras out of the Young Guns movies from the the nineties with the you know the Estevez and Sheen boys and and uh, Jack Bauer before he was Jack Bauer. Yeah, they they looked like guys that would have been you know the throwaway characters that got shot in off the horse in that or whatever. And they kind of play it that way too. You've summed them up good. Lyle's definitely the I guess the smarter of the two. Bad Southern accents and all they fulfill a role here and i do think it's they're a neat monster of the week and we've had all sorts of vampires in the show already brian we had one that had a claw and you know angel's a real interesting vampire darla's been an interesting vampire certainly spike and drew are so why can't we have vampires that hold on to their wild west roots yeah i agree i think it's a neat little uh twist in there you know they they didn't really change a whole lot when they became vampires they just lived a lot longer now they they're still murderous they're still bad guys and I like that about them. It was kind of sad to see that Tector got, uh, you know, killed off in the episode because it would have been interesting to see. But luckily for us, Lyle Gorch did get away and will come back later in the series. Yeah, much later. But I, I didn't miss Tector very much at all. I mean, I don't, I, I didn't really think anything about him getting killed. I figured at some point somebody was going to get killed by the thing under the floor, and <laughs> we had to see it eat something. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's 
it's never really shown or explained. Again, you know, I'm sure budget had a lot to play with that. But this was, it, you know, they were okay. Like I said, they played like people who want to be rough cowboys, what you think of as the rough cowboy type as a kid, you know. But they, they weren't. They, I wouldn't call them terribly memorable, but they were interesting characters. They were a different twist on the vampire of the week, if you will. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Wild West. Uh, you think of the Wild Wild West. That's what these guys kind of were like, and and I did like that. And, and it, I think the backstory was that they were, uh, you know, alive and murdering in the Wild Wild West before they became vampires. So it's like coming from that time frame, they never really changed. And I did like that. Uh, the only other real character that we get that's new is the teacher, Mr. Whitmore. He's basically here to give the sex ed class and the sex ed speech, hand out the eggs for people. And then he also is, you know, possessed by the eggs, as we see, and is basically getting things ready to dig out the mother bazaar, uh in the lair when a security guard finds him and he ends up defending the lair and that kind of thing. I was going to say, isn't he your worst nightmare that your sex ed teacher will actually have an impact on your sex life? Isn't that every, you know, health class student's worst fear in there? I didn't think much more of this guy than that he was just there to move that plot along, to have that moment where Xander and Cordelia were essentially taking their frustrations out in class by talking in third person about one another, which was kind of funny, and that he was there as the the catalyst to hand out the eggs. But he was no more important than anything else in the plot to me. I didn't really think much more about him after... He's in the he's in the basement with everybody else. I didn't think what happened to Mr. Whitmore because he's just there to sort of service that that piece. But if if he's anything, I, I think he represents that idea of well, you know, when adults start talking to teenagers about sex, they're probably a few years too late, right? <laughs> and and these days, well, yeah, well, these days, but I would think even in Buffy's day, which were our days, Brian, you know, and that. I think, you know, that's what every teenager feels like, at least, right? It's like, oh, God, the old guy in the sweater vest is not going to tell me about sex. You know, and it's just, it's not something anybody's comfortable with. And so I didn't I didn't think much more of him other than that. He was more comic relief than anything in the episode for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that, too. And, you know, thankfully, uh, my sex ed teacher uh, has no lasting impression on me at all. Oh, I'll never forget mine, but it's not because of not because of anything he taught. I'll tell you that. Well, let's uh, let's move into our returning. You know, we got a lot to talk about with our core characters, but let's talk about some of the other characters first before we get into them. You know, really, this episode focuses on the core characters, but we we'll, let's just talk quickly about Joyce. She's in here. She's being a really good parent in this episode. She's trying to take more, you know, teach Buffy responsibility and be more responsible herself as a parent. And you see that come out as she, you know, catches Buffy dressed up like she's going to go out. And it's her bedtime or, or, you know, late night. And she she's actually just returning uh, when Joyce catches her. But she's thinking she's about to go out. She grounds her uh, because she says, you know, it's too late. You shouldn't be sneaking out. And I thought that was a great move on her part. A great character development for Joyce showing that, you know, she's taken initiative to finally, you know, be more of a parent and, and they've really helped develop her over these last several episodes as a parent to Buffy more than anything. Uh, and I like that a lot. 
Well, hey, lest we forget, you know, her daughter did almost kill her would-be boyfriend a couple weeks ago, so maybe she's a little suspicious of what her kid's doing now. Uh, yeah, I think that's something they've built on this whole season, and they, they've done it in more subtle ways than others. This one's a, a little better done, I think. Joyce is starting to become really suspicious of the fact that Buffy seems to sort of come and go at odd times and doesn't do normal things, you know, and that's all, that's all playing underneath here. You know, Buffy's spent a lot of energy or spends a lot of energy, I should say, hiding her Slayer persona from her mom, uh, even to go as far as to try to get some slayage in while picking up mom's cleaning and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's neat to watch Joyce try to ground Buffy and you can see Buffy the whole time going, okay, yeah, but I got to figure out a way to sneak out of the house so I can go stake vampires tonight. You know, it's, you know that there's another purpose, but you can't, of course, Buffy can't tell her that. And that's what every teenager feels like, right? Is that, oh, if my parents only understood how important this thing was to go do in Buffy's case, it actually is important, you know. But it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that whole. Um, what am I trying to say? It's that whole conflict there, and and I do like the way Joyce is playing it. I mean, she's not reading the books anymore. Thank goodness. Yes. She's actually doing real parenting, which is kind of neat to see. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, you know, in Buffy's case, it is important, except for in this episode because Buffy isn't really going out to do some slang like she should be. And that brings us to... Going out to do some laying with Angel. Exactly. That brings us to Angel, who really, in this episode, all he's there to do is make out with Buffy. That's all (laughs) he does. Every scene that he is in, he is making out with Buffy. And that's it. Yeah, he's he's pretty much her little uh, love toy in this one, and that's that's all they, they you know what a hard job David Boreanaz must have had those few days when they they said, "Do you have any lines here, David? You just got to make out with Sarah." Okay, yeah, I'll go eat a ripe onion, and you know this will be a lot of fun. <laughs> so because they they have jokes, you know, there's a lot of good scuttle about you know they used to play around with each other like that on the set. I. Yeah, you know, that's the thing I've said before is that they don't really know what to do with Angel when he's not central to the plot. And this time they just want him around. So they were like, well, we'll just let him make out with Buffy all the time, you know, which is an escalation in their romance, if you will, because we haven't seen a ton of the physical side of them. We've seen them kiss and hold hands and they've been very romantic with each other, but not like this. They're like all over each other. It is that hot teenage 80s hairband love going on in this this episode with these two. Yeah, and you know they do go out and they do the slang thing, but instead of slang, they're they're basically sitting there making out, and every once in a while, a comment will be like, "Shouldn't we, you know, see if there's any vampires around? Shouldn't we go patrol a little?" And, and it always and I, goes back to kissy face. Yeah, and oddly enough, Lyle and Tector are watching him going, really? You know, like they're disgusted by it, which I do think is funny that they're going, nope, there's nothing around. You know, you have Slayer spider sense and vampire sense that's totally overwhelmed by their passion for one another. Again, this episode, not so much about Buffy other than the fact that she's getting in trouble with mom and, you know, they're trying to teach responsibility. Other than that, this really focuses on this bizarre thing more so than any of our characters i would even say and you know buffy spent a lot of time like we said making out with angel uh she drops a line on him you know angel when i look into the future all i see is you all i want is you i know the feeling otherwise she's there basically to make out with angel and then 
kick the crap out of the the demon. Oh, I, I I disagree with you there. I think this whole episode is about Buffy and Joyce and this idea that she's trying to grow up and be responsible, but she's also got all this passion that she can't control and it causes her to make bad decisions and how all of that is now directly affecting her life. Up to this point, Buffy's kind of gotten away with kind of got away with all this doing of what she's doing now she's getting in trouble for sneaking out at night um she's falling down on her slayer duties because of this stuff i mean that's all happening to her now i think this episode's very much about buffy and the fact that she is responsible but yet she still makes irresponsible decisions and she can't see it because she's blinded by her passion for angel well jay you make a very valid point and it's something that i really didn't I guess, pay attention to as I was watching this again. You're right. It is a lot about Joyce and, and Buffy's relationship and, you know, teaching Buffy the responsibilities she needs to look at, even with Giles, per se, in this episode as well. So I get that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, and you, you talk about Giles is uh, he's... You know, he's he's really a sideline in this whole episode this time at all. But he's also... He's sort of starting to, well, I don't know. The way I read Giles in this is that he's got his mind on a lot of other things. He's trying to figure out uh, what Spike and Drusilla are doing. He's trying to learn a little bit more about the Gorch brothers and what they're doing in town. And he doesn't really get caught up in all the high school drama. He sort of sees all this going around him and hears the kids talking in the library. And you can tell he's just like, uh, you know, he's sort of tired of all the, the drama. He just wants them to focus on the task at hand. And that's kind of his whole thing. And then when he gets infected, when one of them attaches itself to him, you see Giles, you know, knock Joyce out. And then he essentially puts the thing on her and leads her to the dungeon where apparently they're just digging in the dirt. I, I don't know what the purpose of that was. We'll get to that oh, well, in a little bit, I guess. You know, the, pur- the purpose of, of that is to free the Mother Bazaar. Oh, okay. They're digging okay. it out of the ground. Uh, and that's the only thing I can make of it. I mean, it doesn't really well, did, say, but... Did, yeah. did the Bazaar, like, was it always there? Or did it, like, worm its way up to under the school? Or what? A, I needed answers about the Bazaar. That's question. <laughs> That I did not get from this it's episode. A big, ugly, purplish, pink thing. It is a, a cheap. B- no, no, Brian. It is a cheap balloon underneath <laughs> some cardboard that cost twenty five dollars in the prop shop, and was it was the MacGuffin excuse to have something go down in the basement? Yeah, pretty much. You know, Giles in this episode, yeah, you're right. He, he's not really there for much. He's got his mind on a lot of things, as you said. He also has his mind on what happened with him and, and Jenny as well. It doesn't come to play as much in this episode, but he is still on his mind. So he's definitely sidetracked with other things as the, you know, high school students, the core four, or, I mean, you know, uh, the Scooby gang is basically talking about what's going on in their daily lives. And Giles is trying to figure out what's going on in the underworld life i guess yeah yeah well he's always he's doing the thing he always does which is focusing on watcher duties while the rest of them are doing high school stuff right and i like that giles was very confused by what the significance of the egg was for these these the students when, when they're sitting there talking about it and he's just like really what what is that and why are we doing this it's, it comes as a little bit of a shock to him culture shock and i thought that was a pretty good Thing. Yeah, the little parenting exercise. Yeah, he sort of sees that as... I mean, Giles is one of those guys that he does treat these teenagers with a lot of respect and and understanding that they are youth 
and and will make mistakes, but he's seen them do some pretty extraordinary stuff, so he thinks they're kind of above this in a way. Like he looks at this assignment as sort of ridiculous, and and it is ridiculous. I mean, it is it's a stupid assignment. Okay, let's let's face it. it everybody that had to do this assignment, you know, it it was, but it it's a, the principle is what matters, and that's what you're trying to teach here. The the most interesting or the funniest stuff is Xander and Cordelia in this episode. They get the great back and forth about their the the sex talk and that whole bit. I mean, they have they have a great time in this episode with each other. Right, and of course you first see them two making out in the closet, and Cordy is very, you know, ashamed, I guess you could say, of it, and Xander's picking up on this, and he's trying to get it all taken care of. Well, I think they're fighting over the lights being on and off when they're making out in the closet, and it ends up spilling over into the classroom when the the teacher asks, you know, what the biggest consequence of having sex is, and they just go on about all sorts of weird stuff, like bad breath and all just weird things like that and it's a funny back and forth between the two and they just don't give up and you can sense something is going on between them as you're watching it and it's really funny i think and and that's a great little lead-in for those two as their relationship progresses uh it's a lot of tension with a lot of making out it's a physical relationship and not really anything on an emotional level at this point And, and i guess you could say most of the time in their relationship, as we'll see. Well, yeah, it's it, and it's something that. it's something they're trying to keep hidden from the rest of the world too. And and Willow is starting to notice there's something going on between those two, but can't quite put her finger on it just yet, right? Oh yeah, you know, she's and, she's definitely sensing something's going on between those two because the they never bicker like that back and forth with each other, and they always seem to go off with each other. And she's seeing little signs that something might be going on, but she's just not quite there to understand what it means yet. And having been on in her position on this, when you like someone who likes someone else, and you start to notice that they're doing things with someone else and not you, that that's a really awkward place to be. And you kind of feel for Willow in this. They don't play with it much. I'm I'm reading a bit beyond what what's here, but you can you can see it in in the way she looks at him and the way she looks at Cordelia and is sort of trying to sum up the whole situation in her own head that she knows something's up. She just can't figure out exactly what yet and we don't get much more out of will on this she does reveal that she's jewish uh in this episode which and i don't know how important that is in the in the series lexicon but it is something that they they have throw out very openly right there in the in the midst of conversation about you know teach your kid christmas carols yeah and, well, i'm jewish we'll teach it the dreidel song right and and i mean if you couldn't get that she was jewish off her last name of rosenberg then well you know now you know yeah not so, not that we're stereotyping, you know, all no, you uh, all you Protestant Rosenbergs out there that listen to the show. So, uh, anyway. or, or Catholic. So, Catholic, Protestant. So. Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, not a whole lot other than that on these characters. And that, that really sums up what the characters do in this episode. I mean, it's a lot about relationships, I mean, and responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's more about responsibility, I would say, than than the relationship. The relationship well, stuff is that. But, but you're, you're focusing on you're focusing on two things: the 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 Xander Cordy relationship and how it's progressing into more of a physical thing than anything else, and the interactions that come with that. And you're also focusing on the fact that Buffy and Angel are starting to madly fall in love with each other, which is very important in the next episode. Oh yes, I agree. And Joyce is also on the precipice of figuring out Buffy's big secret. You, you see that just looming ahead and 
you know, the end of the episode is is yeah, it's ridiculous. Again, it's only in Sunnydale with all the adults by the, such a Stephen King thing that you know they won't they don't see what's going on. Oh, uh, they said it was a major gas leak. You weren't in the library where I told you to be. Well, I was in the gym. Well, that's not the library, so you are grounded. And it's but, like, and, and seriously, wow. if there's a gas leak, wouldn't you be happy she wasn't in the library? I I don't know. Joyce <laughs> Joyce is on edge here. I still think this is this is reminiscence from Ted. Yeah, you know, even though he was a serial killer, Buffy, you still didn't need to kill him or almost kill him or whatever. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's there, but it's building that tension. And I think that's the biggest thing to take from this episode is that everything is escalating to something very soon. You can't run on these high emotional rails and these high tension rails this long without it coming to a breaking point. And all that is coming very soon. You, you can, knowing where the series goes, you can really see it. But just watching it straight through, you can see this thing starting to really build. And I think this is a, a big build point right here. I agree with you 100%. The biggest thing to take out of this is, you know, Buffy does actually say to Joyce that she thinks about slaying vampires. You know, it's like a subtle hint to mom, hey, if this comes up, by the way, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah. But she can't tell her yet, but it's a little subtle. I guess it's not really that subtle, but it's kind of a, hey, guess what? I think about slaying vampires. Oh, wait, you don't know what that means? Good. I'm not going to explain it to you. Yeah, and it's the thing that I, that's from the parents' point of view. That's almost written like from the parents' point of view is that your children talk in a language you don't understand. Right. And when they try to explain it to you, it's like they were they're telling you the most fanciful thing in the world. And and Buffy even you know listens to herself and says, "What am I saying? I can't say this to my mother." Right. Well, Brian, I think we've summed this episode up pretty good. What's your dustings rating for Bad Eggs? Well, you know, I'm going to give this a two dustings. It's not the greatest episode in the world, but it does get some good stuff out there. The the whole Joyce-Buffy dynamic is great in this episode. You know, leading Angel and Buffy into a more serious relationship is very important as we go ahead. So it lays these foundations that we need in the upcoming episodes, and so that's why it's worth watching. It's not a great episode, like I said, but it's not a horrible one, so I give it a two dustings. I'll give this a two as well, Brian. I do think it's a little, I, I don't know, it's a little weird and kind of off, but the story isn't the bizarre. It's really not. Like I said, that's a cheap prop. It's all about responsibility and these escalating relationships and where it's going. And I, I do like the fact that in the midst of all this crazy stuff going on, you do get some really good character stuff here. It's a lot of fun. This isn't a great episode, but it's also not a bad one. It's not one I'd skip. I mean, I told you I didn't remember much about it before watching it for this uh, part of the retrospective, but I actually really enjoyed this one. I had a good time with it, so it's okay. It's, it's a two dustings for me all the way. Folks, we are in the middle of our Season 2 of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Retrospective here on The Art of Slaying, and we're certainly glad you've joined us for this part of the ride. You can keep up with information about the podcast and know when new episodes release at continuousplaypodcast.com slash Buffy. You can also communicate with Brian and I through our email address, mailbag at continuousplaypodcast.com. Send us your questions and we'll try to answer them. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter page on our website. Tune in again next time when we get ready to celebrate some birthday time with Buffy. Until then, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Slaying on Continuous Play. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Grr, arg, 